This is Sam Glenn of Code in Motion, and you're listening to Cyber 321, plain English cyber through three articles, two numbers, and one action. It is February 25th, 2022, and this week's news is dominated by the deepening crisis in Ukraine. So the first of my three articles this week discusses an advisory issued by Ireland's National Cyber Security Centre. A few weeks ago, I mentioned the warnings being issued by a number of government agencies around the world about the increased likelihood of a major cyber attack on Western nations. And these warnings continue. Ireland's National Cyber Security Centre, the NCSC, recently issued an advisory to highlight the potential impact on Ireland and Irish-based entities should the current situation continue to escalate. It's brief and to the point, so it's well worth a read. And it also forms the basis of this week's action, which I will discuss in more detail later. Alongside its recommended actions, the NCSE also points out an additional risk factor. It reminds us that many organisations rely on outsourced cybersecurity expertise and that their incident response plans assume access to the skills of these specialist companies at their moment of need. But when an attack is truly global, and these experts are trying to help a lot of organisations at the same time, there is a risk that they may not be able to help you in a timely manner. So as a result, it may take you longer to contain the attack, respond to it and recover from it. It is therefore important to consider this risk and identify steps that you can take now to mitigate this risk in the future. If I was in this position, I would consider a few options. For example, organising a tabletop simulation right now while the experts are available to me so key internal staff can experience instant response in a safe environment and the organisation can spot gaps in the plan and address those gaps before they need the plan. I would also look at developing a plan B instant response plan that could be followed if the experts are not available. So it may name out people um, accessible to you in your network that might be able to give you a few pointers to help you while you wait for the experts to become available. And finally, I might look to see if I can identify or build up some basic skills in-house. For example, training someone on some of the basic things that need to be done to contain or limit the damage of an attack while we await the arrival of the experts. The second article this week introduces a free cybersecurity tools and services website recently launched by the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, of the US. It's a new hub that organisations can use to discover free public and private sector resources to strengthen their cybersecurity. CISA Director Jen Easterly is quoted as saying, Many organisations, both public and private, are target-rich and resource-poor. So these resources on this list will help such organisations improve their security posture, which is particularly critical in the current heightened threat environment. I like that phrase, target-rich and resource-poor. The website starts with a list of foundational measures, including fixing known security vulnerabilities in software, also known as installing security patches, uh, implementing multi-factor authentication, which you may have heard me speak about once or twice, and replacing software that is no longer receiving updates or relies on known default or unchangeable passwords. The most interesting recommendation is to take steps so you identify and secure your internet-connected devices, especially those appearing on search platforms that provide lists of such devices to the public or to a paying licensee. If these search platforms can see them, then so can the bad guys. And one of these devices may be the vulnerable doorway into your organization. So if you've never heard of device search platforms like Shodan.io, 
now is the time to learn about them. My final article this week provides an extreme example of what can happen if we blindly trust an IT system. And this was mentioned in the Irish Times this week and reported in The Guardian at the time that dozens of former post office workers in the UK had their convictions for theft, fraud and false accounting quashed by the Court of Appeal in April 2021 after one of the biggest miscarriages of justice in British legal history. Campaigners believe that as many as 900 operators, often known as sub-postmasters, may have been prosecuted and convicted between 2000 and 2014, after the Horizon IT system installed by the UK Post Office and supplied by Fujitsu falsely suggested there were cash shortfalls. Some of the convicted workers were sent to prison, others lost their livelihoods and their homes, many went bankrupt, and some died before their names were cleared. In an earlier ruling at the High Court, Mr Justice Fraser found that Fujitsu-developed Horizon system contained bugs, errors and defects, and that there was a material risk that shortfalls in branch accounts were caused by the system. However, the Post Office firmly believed the Horizon system was reliable, and refused to countenance any suggestion to the contrary. Defendants were prosecuted, convicted and sentenced on the basis that the Horizon data must be correct, and the cash must therefore be missing. IT systems and outsourced IT services represent an accountability vacuum. Some systems are just so big and outsourcing contracts so complex that no one person feels accountable for ensuring things are not going awry. We all know the phrase too big to fail, but I think the phrase too big to understand may become quite common as IT systems continue to become bigger, more complex and more AI driven. The first of my two numbers this week is 232%. And that is the fact that there has been a 232% increase in phishing emails using LinkedIn as their hook, according to a report by Egress and published in the ThreadPost recently. The phishing attacks are spoofing LinkedIn to target great resignation job hunters and are attempting to trick job seekers into giving up their LinkedIn credentials. The second number this week is 25,000. And that is the fact that the FBI received 25,000 romance fraud complaints in 2021, demonstrating that the victims who starred in Netflix's Tinder Swindler series are just the tip of the iceberg. It is likely that the true number of people who have been fooled into transferring money to these scammers is far higher. After all, if you were fooled, would you report it? And the action this week is to follow the National Cybersecurity Centre's advice. I mentioned the NCSE's advisory about the heightened threats arising from the current crisis in Ukraine, and for this week's action, I recommend you review this advisory. At a minimum, it recommends you do the following. Scan for unpatched systems and services so you find vulnerabilities in your defences before the bad guys do. Fully assess your third-party managed service provider and supply chain contracts to reduce the risk that you are doing business with an organisation that is ignoring their role in your security. Secure your Active Directory with the advisory including a link to Microsoft's guidance. Uh, Secure your email environment and again the advisory includes a link to Microsoft's guidance on how to do this with Microsoft 365. Review and update your incident response process and plan and review and act on the recommendations contained in the NCSE's Cyber Vitals Checklist which I mentioned a few weeks ago. Two things I would add at this point, and which are included in the Cyber Vitals Checklist, 
And the first being multi-factor authentication, which I know will not be a shock that I've mentioned this. The reality is that attackers seldom hack in. They usually log in. And multi-factor authentication makes this far more difficult. And number two, backups. Because if they do get in, a reliable backup may be the only thing between you and Oblivion. This is because many state-sponsored attacks don't seek payment in return for your data. They seek disruption and they delete your data so it is gone forever. That's it for this week, but before I go, can I ask a favour? As you may know, I provide IT and cybersecurity guidance to regulated financial services firms and the professional services firms that sell to these entities. And I've noticed that in many of these engagements, I help people that work in risk or compliance or data protection roles on a one-to-one level to get their head around cyber and IT so they no longer feel like they're getting the runaround when they ask about for the firm's cybersecurity measures or when they're trying to figure out if their defences are good enough. If you know anyone in a risk compliance or data protection role who could speak to me about how they've tried to get their head around cyber, what worked and what didn't, I would appreciate an introduction for some market research that I'm doing at the moment. Okay, that's really it for this week. So until next time, take care.